0: So Money Episode 1580, Tapping Inner Barriers to Outer Wealth with Karen Brzezanski, founder of the theluckysoul.com. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
1: When I work with someone, it's about identifying what are the stories that you are telling yourself about why you can't have the thing. What is in the way? So I'll always ask, like, what's in the way of your desire? Because that's going to give me some information, a clue as to where that pattern originated for you and what those feelings are that are in the way of you getting the thing that you want.
0: Welcome to So Money Everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that you and I, we have a shared belief that every woman and man has the right to be rich. And yet, this is not an idea that We all can get behind for ourselves. We have inner barriers to experiencing wealth. Rich is sometimes a four-letter word. What's up with that? Our guest today has some thoughts. She is Karen Brzezansky, transformational money mindset expert and certified pro EFT tapping coach who specializes in working creative and spiritual women ready to tap into abundance in all areas of their lives. She's the founder of theluckysoul.com, where she's helped hundreds of women unapologetically make more money and virtually eliminate financial stress. She's got a six-week program called M-Spot, which helps women transcend their hidden money programming so they can expect, earn, and enjoy more. Karen and I talk about some of these mindset struggles that are kind of universal that we all tend to have when it comes to believing that we can want for more and that's okay. But we also talk about the reality, which is the rejection on the other side of declaring that you are a person who wants for more. How do you reconcile your desire to be rich and the culture's insistence that you play small? Here's Karen Brzezanski. Karen Brzezinski, welcome to So Money. This is going to be an experimental episode for me, uh, just because what you are an expert in is not something that I practice much, but I think maybe I should start. And that's tapping. We've had a couple of episodes on this on the show, and I've always loved them. So happy to have you here. And
1: uh, how's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a longtime listener of the show, so um, I feel honored to be on as guest. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We met on the social, on the Instagram, as as so
0: many of my great acquaintances and connections have started these days, you know, it's kind of from
1: New Jersey. We're both from the same part of New Jersey.
0: Where are you in New Jersey?
1: I'm not in New Jersey now, but I'm from New Jersey. Oh, so. that's right. You live in Los Angeles now. I was reading your bio. Yeah. Quite
0: the bio, Missy. <laughs> I'm going to get into it with you. You are all about teaching primarily women, but I think we can all learn, um, how, to, how to navigate the inner barriers, as you call them, to outer wealth. Yes. And you and I share a belief that every person, woman, man, has the right to be rich. And this has to be a stated out loud belief. We can't just assume that everybody is thinking this or accepts this. Why do you think it's so hard and why do we struggle so much with wanting for money? Maybe we can start there.
1: Oh my goodness. There are so many reasons we struggle with wanting for money. Um, As women, we we live in a patriarchal society that has told us that we should just be grateful for what we have. And that we should be good girls, and we should be quiet, and we shouldn't want for anything more than what we have. And those beliefs also stem from our families of origin and from the religious or spiritual programming of our youth. And it gets encoded in our energy, in our DNA, so that when we all of a sudden as an adult have a conscious desire, or maybe even younger, that we want more We might say that we want more, but then those inner beliefs of I'm not supposed to have more. I should just be grateful for what I have. If I have more, then it's going to make other people feel bad or whatever those beliefs happen to be. They're going to pop up and cause us to sabotage. So it's actually, it actually feels dangerous to even own our wanting, let alone Mm -hmm. go after it in the world and express that we actually want more money.
0: I love what you say that when you protest that you want more, that that's a safe thing to say. That's a safe thing to want. Getting from feeling afraid to safe, what is what is that journey typically for your clients? And I know you yourself have a personal personal story of stories uh, that I want to get into, but as you have worked with clients, and I read all the testimonials, your clients that were not convinced that they could or should ask for more uh, raise their prices, uh, build the thing, and ask for money, and then they did, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this feels good, this feels right." Mm. But that, but going from A to B is is you know, I want to I want to live there for
1: a little bit with you. What does that look like for your clients? What do you What do you suggest they do? Well, it's different for every single person because we all have individual experiences around what we were taught about wealth about um, how safe it feels and it is to be a powerful person in the world and all of those stories. So when I work with someone, it's about identifying what are the stories that you are telling yourself about why you can't have the thing. What is in the way? So I'll always ask like, what's in the way of your desire? Because that's going to give me some information, a clue as to where that pattern originated for you and what those feelings are that are in the way of you getting the thing that you want. So it starts by, it's like an excavation process. So I'm looking at like, what are, what kind of family system did you grow up with in terms of uh, how money was looked at in your family? What were the dynamics around money? And what did, like what did your mom think about money? What did your dad think about money or your primary caretakers? What was um, their energy around money? Was it something that was even talked about? Was was it something that was just brushed under the rug? And what are the beliefs then that you picked up, whether you know them consciously or not, which 99% of the time the person is not conscious of what their specific block is, but what is that block And then I'll take them through some tapping to help process that energy because that's all fear. And I know you just wrote a book about fear. I can't wait to read it. And it's not about making the fear bad or wrong. It's just about shining a flashlight and identifying it and then looking at it and realizing that that fear, wherever you picked it up, through your family, through society, wherever, through the media, it's just trying to keep you safe. Right. So all our fears are ever trying to do is just keep us safe. Um, and so when we make the connection between what the fear is, the fact that it's trying to keep the person safe, and the fact that they want to move forward, but this old belief is in the way, that's the stuff that we tap on so we can move that energy and then we can process that belief and that emotion so then they can feel free to actually move forward without sabotaging.
0: I'm nodding so hard right now, if you can see me, you can see me, but listener, if you could see me, I'm like a bobblehead. Just to layer onto that, I think when you talk about that fear just really wants to keep you safe, it wants to identify, remind you of what it is you want to protect. Because so often we can forget, so often we can even not really give it any credit or any attention, like, oh, whatever. Like, No, protecting your time, your energy, your safety, your your traditions, like those are all valid and important and they're personal in, and sometimes you might decide I'm going to go do that thing. And I recognize the fear might be rooted in something that is, um, not, it it isn't, it wasn't, it didn't start with me. It started somewhere else, Mm -hmm. but I still want to protect things. I still want to like, thank you fear for showing me like what it it is actually that I care about. Mm -hmm. And then going to go do that thing anyway, with those with the, by trying to uphold those, those values that you're trying to protect, I think is, yes. is where the healthiness comes in, the yes. healthy panic. Um, tapping. This is something that you are certified in, you are long educated in. Can you walk us through how this works actually? And what, yeah. what do we mean by tapping? A lot of us are new to this and, and, and including myself.
1: Yeah. Uh, So tapping is a mind-body tool that is a combination of ancient Chinese acupressure and modern psychology. And what we're doing is we're literally tapping on the same points on the body that they use in acupuncture and acupressure, except rather than needles, we're just using a light tapping sensation to stimulate the energy in the body in the same way. And what that's doing as we're tapping on these points is it's sending a calming signal to the amygdala in our brain, which is the body's fight or flight center. So when we're in relationship with money, like I said, all those stories are going to come up and our brain doesn't know the difference between something that's real or something that's imagined, something that's right in front of us or something that's from the past. So when we're in relationship with money, all of those fear stories are coming up, turning on our fight or flight center. So as we're tapping, and when we're tapping also, we are saying very specific words and phrases related to the issue that we're working through. And so as we're tapping, that calming signal is being sent to the brain to turn off fight or flight response and to turn on what I call peace brain and what Harvard cardiologist Herbert Benson calls the relaxation response. So I always say tapping takes you from freaked out brain into peace brain.
0: Wow. Okay, I like that. You can also just read my book, which is the tapping, <laughs> but in and of itself, I sort of feel like, I I think I go through this process. I might not be actually tapping, but I do see the benefits of really like. Okay, we all have that intelligent brain, and yes, it gets superseded. It gets overwhelmed by like the sort of irrational side of our brain, which is like, no, that fear is super real. And you know, you got to freeze or fly or fight. But I feel like I'm always forcing myself to remember what is real. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, again, it's not Mm -hmm. conscious. It's very like, you have to bring it to the, to the conscious, bring it to the forefront. So however you
1: get there, like get there. That's how, why we always start with what's right in front of us. So if you came to me with a fear of going to speak at your next event, we would start tapping on, even though there's this fear around going to speak at my next event. And it's bringing up all these emotions mm-hmm. rather than saying like, oh, I've got this. I'm good. Let's go. Like, Let's just move through our fear. It's like, uh-uh-uh. Because the, the more you shove that fear down, the stronger it's going to get. The and then it it's gonna come up at an inappropriate time, whether that means stumbling over your words or saying something inappropriate or just freaking out or having a panic attack or whatever. So yeah. it's like that that acknowledgement of the fear is like it's it's again, it's helping us to to um almost like uh like de-escalate the bomb inside of us. That's a little graphic, but that's kind of what it feels like where it's just, you you know, we're we're deactivating that switch so that we can go out and we've acknowledged our fear. We've let it know that it's okay, that it's still a part of us. We never have to get rid of it and that we're going to go out and use the bigger, wiser part of ourselves to go and make this talk or do whatever the thing is that's scaring us. So all that fear needs is just a little... A little love when it comes down to it. A little
0: love. Like, let's give it some cred, y'all. We wouldn't be here. I keep saying this on every single podcast because it's fun. I say, you and I would not be here, Karen, had it not been for fear. Mm -hmm. All of these centuries and eons and, you know, like, can we just give it a little trophy? You know, it doesn't have to be first place. It can just be a recognition trophy, but you know what? (laughs) Like, it's just, it's valid. It's got a Mm -hmm. place. Speaking of fear, in 2008, Karen, I'm reading that you were hit by, a, hit and run over by a car while yes. crossing the street in New York. One of my biggest fears, yes. which is I remember, nice.
1: really,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like living in Brooklyn. Every yeah. time I crossed the street, it was like, yeah. here we go, Hail Mary. Yeah. Um, you said that. You were living in New York at the time, you were working in New York at the time, you had a soul-sucking job, you were trying to pursue acting, and then this Mm happens. Take us to that moment.
1: Yeah. So I was crossing the street, um, going to my job at the time, and there was a lady making a left-hand turn, didn't see me, hit me on the right side of my body. I was flung up onto the hood of her car, hit my head on the windshield, was flung back to the concrete, landed on my left hip, and she ran over my right ankle. And so she didn't stop. She actually did stop, but i I didn't remember her stopping until a few years later at her deposition, which is a longer story. Wow. Um, so I went through a tremendous amount of chronic pain and PTSD after that, and went to all the doctors, you know, all the regular Western doctors and Eastern doctors, and it wasn't until 2012. That i came upon tapping and i was on a retreat at esalen in northern california and i met a man who was an eft master and by this point i had read enough and learned enough that i was clued into the idea that there was some connection between my emotional body and my physical body and so i knew that there was more stuff down inside of me that I had to let come up because I was expert at pushing things down and just mind over mattering and muscling through. I mean, I'm from Jersey. Like I don't let things get me down. I was like, you know, doing Tybo and trying to run around the city, like two weeks after this
0: happened, oh my God. Like,
1: <laughs> blast <laughs> from the past. Um, So I, the, when I had this session with, his name is Victor Lee Lewis, and he's, I believe he still practices up in Northern California. When I had this session with him, he took what felt like uh, four and a half years of emotional pain and grief and stories and completely neutralized them in the course of about an hour and a half. And I was like, what in the world did you just do to me like that? I felt so much lighter after this session. And I was like, I asked him after we finished, I said, well, how long does this last? Because I felt so light. And he was like, oh, it doesn't go away. And I was like, all right, well, we'll see about that. Um, And so the next day I was having lunch with some people um, in the cafe and I was sharing a part of my story that normally when I shared, I couldn't, not cry. I couldn't have the same emotional reaction that I had the, the time of the actual story happening. And when I was telling this story, like nothing happened. And I was just talking to them like I'm talking to you right now. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And what I realized is that the physical pain had so much more to do with the the grief and the, the fear for what my life would become and the dreams that I might might have to let go of and how everything might have to change and how like I couldn't do the things that I did before. And that was so devastating to me. And I had so much emotion around all of that, that I was just pushing down. And it wasn't until I started to let that up. And let me tell you, I ugly cried a lot. (laughs) (laughs) because I was ready and I was willing. So as I was tapping, you know, in in that first session and then in some subsequent sessions, like it was a lot of emotion for me to process. But as I did that, um, the physical pain started to go away and the PTSD started to go away as well. Mm -hmm. And then after that retreat, I wound up going back to New Jersey and deciding I wanted to move to California and start my own business and do that whole thing, so... It's, it's been, it's been a wild ride.
0: Well, I appreciate what you say about grief and that you didn't, it wasn't like you were started tapping and you were like, okay, grief be gone. Grief, you respected the grief. You allowed the grief to go through, you allowed yourself to grieve and go through those emotions that then got you to a place of more closure. The mind is so powerful. It really is. The brain is so powerful. Yeah. Unrelated, but sort of, I was reading about how They did this study where people who even just thought about working out (laughs) Mm -hmm. like for 15 minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, like they imagined themselves lifting weights
1: were stronger than those who didn't. There's so many studies about that. It's crazy. It's like the people who actually lift the weights or play the piano or shoot the hoops or whatever that's that particular study is studying. They're the, – the progress that they make is usually only like 5% less than the people who are actually like on the court or playing wow. the or, It's wild. They're lifting the weights. Yeah.
0: I so think that when we, I
1: if, – if we were to put, put – you know, relate that
0: story to our financial lives or our career lives or anything that we're trying to master um, – There is the doing, but there's Mm -hmm. also the processing and the thinking and the plotting and the the gestation. Like this, writing my book, for example, you know, people say like, what was that like? And it's like, well, it's a lot of writing, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot of not writing too. But I, I am confident that the book is as good as it is. Yeah. as hopefully it is that because I gave it, I invested the thought as well as the writing right. to the process. And then with our money, you know, if yeah. like, it's not just moving the money around or the spending and the saving and the investing, it's also like thinking about what are my goals? Why am I spending this money? Mm-hmm. You know, and just, and having that dialogue constantly mm-hmm. is, um, is part of what's part of the healthy practice.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I realized on my journey that my healing was so multi-layered physically. And then when I found myself in almost $13,000 worth of debt in 2017, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I took that same framework And I said, well, what's going on here? Like, how did I get here? What is this really about? Because it's not about the money. It's never about the money. Money is a neutral energy. It's just paper, right? We drive ourselves crazy over money, but it's never about the money. So I had to ask myself what this was really about. And like some of the the stories and the layers that I uncovered were, you know, I grew up in a very um, working class home. Penny pinching, coupon cutting, always getting smaller, always getting the, the the best value for the most amount of money, and I realized that that mindset, which I thought at the time was like this very spiritual, like makes me a better person. I don't need a whole lot. That was a limiting belief that I had, um, was keeping me from actually creating value and making and being able to receive money in the world. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how do I change this? (laughs) So I had to do a lot of work around changing that belief. And that happens over time. I always say tiny micro actions over time, because if we try to make too big of a leap, we're going to sabotage. And I always use the example of lottery winners and people who lose a lot of weight all at once, like you're going to spring back. So it's really about making sure that we feel safe. And the way that we do that is through tapping, through regulating our central nervous system and making sure that we feel grounded and safe to make these changes and making them in a small way so that it always feels like it's just our 71 degrees. You know, I hear a lot of people too say like, oh, like, you know, you got to like amp it up and go 200 and 300 and just keep going and going and getting bigger and bigger and more visible and all this. And I'm like, that is so scary when I think about that. And I'm also an introvert. So I'm just like, ah, that's that's yeah. terrifying. And what I realized is that when when I'm expanding, when we're expanding, we never want to go more than like three to five degrees outside of where we are right now, because that's like going from 71 to like 75, 76. And it's uncomfortable when it's like yeah, 76. That's a difference figure. actually. That's, yeah. I'm so thinking of like, a layer at that point. Yeah. Right. So my philosophy is like, You push it to like 75, 76 degrees, and then you hang out there. You hang out there until that 76 degrees starts to regulate and feel like 71.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: that becomes your new normal. And that's what I did at the beginning. And I still do this as I'm leveling up, you know, as I continue to grow and evolve. I, um, I, I make small changes. I make sure that I feel safe. And then when that starts to feel normal to me, then I'll make. I'll look at what the next step is for me.
0: Yeah, but it's I like investing. Manager. Like yeah. investing, you know? Yeah. It's, they have actually been, you know, people. there's two ways, you know, two, I guess, um, contributory ways you can invest. There's the contribution that is like once a month or periodic, you know, like little by little, once every paycheck. And then there's the thought, mind, the, the mindset of like, I'm just going to do one lump sum. When I get my tax refund, I'm putting that all in the stock market. Well, over time, both of those approaches tend to yield the same results, like in mm-hmm. terms of like, are they investing in all the same things? Yes. Yeah. So at the end of the, like that 30 years, like they're pretty much even mm-hmm. in terms of gains. But along the way, one path might be make, make more sense for someone than another because of their appetite for risk, because of their relationship with fear, their relationship with loss aversion and all of that. Yeah. And that's... Fine. Like if you're if you're okay with going into the deep end with all of the money right mm-hmm. away, that's you, you do you. Yeah. But I'm gonna honor the fear in me that says nope, but I'm gonna do it smart still. I'm gonna like if I'm, still invest. Yeah. Not invest. I'm just gonna right. do it yeah. at a, a different pace. Yep. So you I have- can feel I can measure it and I can yep. course correct and I can sleep better at night.
1: Yeah. It's so important. And that's why I say money is so personal. It's so individual, and we all have different things that make us feel safe and different ways that we do things just because that's who we are. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you reminded me of, um, I know a lot of the big money gurus, you know, they would say, um, like, so when I was paying off the debt, I actually bought a new to me car while I was paying it off. And I was thinking about how a lot of the big money people would say, well, don't do that or trade in your car and just buy another car in cash until you have more money or whatever. And for me, because I have been in, you know, I was in a, a bad car accident, having a safe car is very, very important to me. And I couldn't imagine drive, continuing to drive around my current car at the time, which was a 2001 Honda, which was great for many years. And then it was on its last legs, and I, I knew I had to, to level up. Um, so taking some extra money and purchasing a new to me car, which is a, for me, as a 2016 black Camry that I affectionately call Sasha Fierce and I love, makes me feel like Beyonce. I'm not a car person, um, but I love this car so much. But I chose to spend that money because I knew my personal history and I knew that it was a time in my life. I was at a time in my life where I needed that kind of safety to make me feel like a financial adult and to make sure that I felt safe on the road. And you're going to make the trade-offs that you will need to make to afford that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I was willing to do that. And it's worked out great. So we always have to look at our personal I mean,
0: you're talking to a woman who grew up, my family was like a Toyota, like a devotee. Oh, my God is so
1: proud of my Toyota. (laughs) My first car was a Corolla,
0: a, a little silver, like 1993 Corolla, um, loved that thing. I think it's probably still on the road. I think I sold it at like a hundred thousand miles. Um, you have helped many women earn more money and I want to hear from you before we go some tips on those of us who want to go and, and make more, whether it's through our business or at work, how can we do it? If we are grappling with these voices, these narratives that I should just be grateful, you know, Um, I'm, what I have is, is enough. And if I try to push the envelope and ask for more, it's going to fire. It's going to backfire. I've had those fears
1: by the way. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this is the thing too. Money work doesn't end. It's not like you get to this place and like all of a sudden you're free from all of your money fears and all of your visibility fears and all of your shining fears. It's like, it's a, it's a process So the first thing I would say is just acknowledge that it's a process and you're going to move forward at the pace that's right for you. And that's okay. And when you start to notice um, a belief that pops up or a behavior that you have, just I would say write it down, like start writing down what are those things that I'm saying to myself about money and what are the behaviors that I'm exhibiting around money that maybe I want to change. And just start there with some awareness. Um, then follow me on Instagram at the lucky soul. Like we, we need constant reminders. Um, the reason I said that is because we need, we need reminders and we need community. We really need to see other women doing it. We need to see other people asking for more. We need to hear their examples of how they reached out to someone and they got a result or they asked for a raise or whatever the thing is. We need to hear that constantly. So really start to monitor your environment and ask yourself if it's uplifting to you, if it's pulling you forward, or if it's keeping you stuck and making you feel like
0: I would also love for all of us to share the rejections. Because it's not always going to result in making more money. A friend of mine was, uh, my goodness, a friend of mine applied for a job and it was nine months before her wedding. And she told them she was getting married in nine months. This job was available immediately. And they put in writing in an email to her. You are so qualified for this job. You are our number one choice. However, the timing of your wedding gives us trepidation and we are, cons- we think you should focus on your wedding. I quote, we think you should focus on your wedding. And it coincides with one of our biggest events of the year. So we're just concerned that this partnership right now won't work. But please, we'd like to keep you in mind for the future. As if, as if she would even. And, you know, I'm seeing this email. She showed it to me recently and I was like, you should have told me when this happened because I would have forwarded this to the New York Post Mm. or the Wall Street Journal. This stuff needs to get out. It still happens. Why women are afraid of showing up for job interviews. She wasn't even asking for a raise. She was just asking for the job. Mm -hmm. And why are we afraid? Because the rejection is
1: real and it's not fair. And And it's- We have to acknowledge that. It is so important to acknowledge that this is still happening. This is still going on. This is still a barrier that women face to making more money. It's harder for them for, for a lot of reasons. And this is the patriarchal money programming programming that, that I talk about as well. I mean, they wouldn't have probably not hired the man because, right. you know, right. men don't plan their more qualified, They would have given um, him more money because they're like, oh, he's going to start a family. Like he's going to be a great employee. Yeah, And, and she
0: wrote back and she said, you know, I'm very disappointed um, because this is Completely biased towards me. Um, with there are there, we are talking nine months from now, and I was thinking maybe we could have worked out a strategy where mm-hmm. I could work to collaborate on this event. Uh, but you know, I have been absent for things in my career before um, that it hasn't derailed me or the companies that I've worked for. Like basically, this company was saying like it's great that you want to have a life, but. That's not going to align with what we need here. And anyway, I really appreciate everything that you do, everything that you stand for. Um, I, you know, mentioned a couple of things that we share in common, but I think a lot of uh, a lot of overlap in what you do and what I do, and the things we hope for our our audiences. Everybody, check out Karen um, as you mentioned theluckysoul.com. soul.com both with a website and on Instagram, also on TikTok. How do you liking that?
1: The Lucky Soul underscore Money Coach on TikTok because the oh. Lucky Soul was already taken. Someone already grabbed it. I mean, no, I just started on TikTok not that long ago. I'm experimenting with it. I'm actually having fun. Um, Good. It's a different vibe. It's a different energy, and um, I, I like it so far. Yeah. Okay. As long as you're having fun, that's all. Yeah. That yeah.
0: Yeah. If you're having fun, your followers will have fun. Karen Brzezanski, appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh. This was a blast. Thanks a lot to Karen for joining us. You can find her at theluckysoul.com as well as theluckysoul on Instagram. If you like what you're listening to, please hit that subscribe button, because if you recall, I referenced this in an earlier show, there was a glitch in Apple Podcasts. If you listen to this show with a podcast app on your iPhone, well, there was a glitch earlier this summer, which bounced off a lot of people who were subscribed to their favorite shows. So if you want to get this show in your feed every other day, just hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. If you like what you're listening to, leave us a review every Friday. I pick a listener from the review section to get a free 15 minute money session. And speaking of Friday, looking forward to seeing you back here for Ask Farnoosh Friday. Until then, I hope your day is so money.